Jesus Christ. Amen. We've got a lot of slides today, so... So, our sound crew will be extra busy while we're all point. You have to change the slide to the right point. We've got lots of slides, but don't point. I'm not ready to find out. So today we're talking about Santa. Well, not Santa per se. We're talking about the original Santa, Saint Nicholas. So I don't even know if you've heard about Saint Nick, Saint Nicholas. You've heard the name before, but let me tell you the whole story about Saint Nicholas. See, St. Nicholas was born in the 3rd century in what we call modern-day Turkey. And he was born in a Christian home uh, to fairly wealthy family, which was very rare in those days. In the 3rd century, well, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd century, most followers of Jesus were poor. And so St. Nicholas's family was, was odd in that they were a wealthy Christian family. They didn't see too many of those. But what wasn't odd or unusual is that when Nicholas was a teenager, both his parents died of the plague. Good times, right? And so Nicholas uh, inherits uh, his family's fortune and decides to dedicate himself uh, to giving money away to the poor and to the orphaned. And he does that for years. He becomes so well known for his generous spirit and for helping the disadvantaged that uh, he becomes a pastor, and later, later on he's made Bishop of Myrna, which also is in modern-day Turkey. Myra, sorry, Bishop of Myra. And so when you see ancient images of St. Nicholas, you'll see this guy with his big, bushy, white beard, looking almost just like Santa Claus, except a skinny Santa Claus, because St. Nicholas was, was a slender fellow, but he had a big, bushy, white beard. And so you'll see those images. And he, after he passed away... They, uh, because he was so well-known and so generous that they uh, made a feast day in his honor. So December 6th is celebrated as the Feast of St. Nicholas in the church. And St. Nicholas is well-known for a couple of reasons. One, he's well-known uh, for giving gifts to poor children. And so you hear that in the poem, The Night Before Christmas, right? The Night Before Christmas, and all through the house. The, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse, Right? And that's where the kind of the origin, of the, what you could say, where Santa Claus kind of started from that poem, and originally Saint Nicholas. But second, he was famous for punching out a heretic during the Council of Nicaea in 325 <laughs> A.D. Not punching out a heretic, he, he hit a guy during the council, which you know you're not supposed to do in church meetings. You're not supposed to hit people; it's a bad thing. Uh, but his apology was so profuse. That they, did, they didn't take away his, his bishop, status as bishop. They let him keep that because he apologized a ton. But um, thank God that we have the tradition of saying Merry Christmas and giving a present. Because it could have been Merry Christmas and you know, hitting someone, right? Just like St. Nicholas. So why did he do it? Why is Santa Claus hitting people at the Council of Nicaea? Well, he did it because of one little letter. See, early in the 4th century, a debate arose, late 3rd, early 4th century, a debate arose over the nature of Jesus. Who is Jesus really? Is Jesus God in the flesh, as we've been confessing all along, or is Jesus God-like? That was the debate. It came up because of a guy named Arius. 
And Arius discovered it was easier to explain Jesus as God-like to the Greek and Latin Roman culture that they lived in. Because the Romans were very common of worshipping people who were God-like. Hercules. Achilles. Even Caesar Augustus. Augustus is Latin for exalted one. And so Arius decided it would be easier to share that type of Jesus and the culture that they lived in. And so the debate arose over one little word, letter. It became the Council of Nicaea. They talked about Jesus and they talked about God and Jesus as being same substance. And the Greek word is homoousios. Everyone say homoousios. Homoousios, right? But Arius wanted it differently. He wanted homoousios. Don't say that. <laughs> Homoousios, which is similar substance. That was the debate. It was during this debate that Santa Claus hit someone during the Council of Nicaea. <laughs> and the whole church council said, you know what, we're going to stick with Scripture. We're going to stick with what the Bible confesses about Jesus. That he's not like God. He is God. Homo. Osios. And that's why in the Nicene Creed we see, we speak and confess, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance, homo osios. Homo osios. But why does it matter? Why does it make one iota's worth of difference? Why? It, it's, a, it's a good question. You ever hear that phrase? Doesn't make an iota's worth of difference? Heard that phrase before? It comes from the Council of Nicaea, 325 AD. Why does it make it worth a difference? Well, here's why. It makes a difference between because Jesus is truly divine. And that matters. We hear that in the angel's promise to Mary that Tom read for us. We hear that in the prophecy of Isaiah from 700 B.C. that Karen read for us, that Jesus is truly divine. And we see it multiple times when Jesus forgives people. So all throughout the Gospels, Jesus is forgiving people, which is really weird because these people didn't actually sin against Jesus. And yet he says he gets to be able to forgive them. And the Pharisees say to Jesus, no one can forgive except God himself. And Jesus says, yep, yep, you're exactly right. No one can forgive except God himself. Phil's going to click this slide here. Yes, no one can forgive. You got it exactly right. All right, hit it again. All sin carries a cost. And you know this when someone sins against you. You realize that sin carries a cost because you're the one carrying the cost. Right? Someone hits your car at Walmart, you come out to your car, there's a big ding in your car, there's no note left behind, and you are bearing the cost of that sin. All sin carries a cost. And so to be able to forgive a sin is to be able to say, I am letting go of my right for revenge because of what you've done to me. That's what forgiveness really is. And Jesus says to everyone, Oh, I forgive you. And the Pharisees rightly say, no one can do that except for God. That's what the cross is all about. 
Jesus takes your sin and my sin. Jesus, Jesus takes those times when we said something and we wish we could take it back and we can't and we've broken relationship with God and whoever we've said that to and Jesus, Jesus carries that cost. He carries that cost for, for every time we've, we've put ourselves above someone else and said, you know what? You don't matter as much as I matter. We've broken relationship with that person, with Jesus and Jesus carries that cost. See, all sin carries a cost. And on the cross, Jesus takes yours, your sin, and my sin and says, okay, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to bear the cost to redeem. And so his blood covers over your sin and mine. And it only works if Jesus is God in the flesh, if he's truly divine. Because if Bob decides to die for your sin, it doesn't work very well. But if Jesus does it, it works. Because he has the right to do it. So Jesus is truly divine. That's important. But Jesus is also truly human. There was an early heresy early on in the church that, that said that Jesus only pretended to be human. That he was really God and he was like faking the human part. And the disciples who walked with him, they're like, no, no, we're pretty sure he was human because we watched him eat, we watched him sleep, and God forgive me, we watched him go to the bathroom. He is human, right? In every way. And then we watched him suffer. We watched him being beaten and tortured. We watched him die. Some of our friends buried him. They covered him with 60 pounds of spices and, and wrapped him in linen. They put him in a grave, in a cave. It's truly human. He died for us. Jesus being truly human is important for another reason. Because prayer is important. Have you ever wondered, gosh, does God really care? Does God really even know what I'm going through? And because of Jesus, the answer is, yeah. He really does. See, with every other religion or philosophical system that, that where there's some sort of deity that you pray to, you can lift up your prayers, and your only hope is that they're going to listen to you, or this force or whatever might listen to you, because, well, you deserve it, you've been good enough, and you're, you're nice enough, and doggone it, people like you, right? And so, so having your prayers answered depends on you. And Jesus, in the words of Monty Python, is something completely different. For Jesus, it doesn't depend on you. It depends on him, his mercy. And so when you say, Jesus, I'm going through this tough time, Jesus goes, oh, I know what that's like. Been through that. See, whatever you're going through in your life right now, whatever you've been through in your life in the past, whatever you're going to go through in your life in the future, Jesus has already experienced. Are you struggling financially? been there. And Jesus was born to a poor peasant family. He was poor his whole life. One time Jesus said, birds have nests and foxes have dens, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He was homeless. Are you struggling financially? 
Jesus knows what that's like. Are you lonely? And Jesus was abandoned by his best friends at his biggest hour of need. The one time where he really needed them, they were gone. Jesus knows what it's like to be lonely. Are you being attacked? Are people speaking behind your back? And the more you protest, the worse it gets. Jesus was falsely accused and imprisoned. In fact, one time, it's in the Gospel of Mark, that Jesus' family thought he was out of his mind. And they came to take him home. Jesus knows what it's like to be attacked. Are you struggling physically? Do you get up in the morning and it just hurts? And it's hard because you know it's going to hurt the next day, the day after that, the day after that. Jesus was, was beaten. He was tortured. He knows what it's like to hurt physically. To experience literally excruciating pain. He knows what you're going through. He's the only God, which means he can save. And he's truly human, so he knows what it's like. And that's the beauty of Jesus. There's no one else like Jesus. There's no one else like Jesus. And here's the cool part. He invites you to join him on his work. Not the saving part, he's got that part covered, but the helping part. See, Jesus can help because he knows what it's like. He's been through it. But you've been through some stuff too. Some stuff in your past where you were hurting financially, physically, emotionally. And you went through a hard time. And God saw you through it. And you may have wondered, what was all that for? Well, perhaps to help someone around you. There's this great verse in, in Hebrews, and it says this in Hebrews. Go ahead and fill there. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our, with our weaknesses, but we have one has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's awesome. It's a great promise from God. He invites us to come to him in prayer, but more than that, it also says this in 2 Corinthians. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. See, I always think we should pray like this. We should fold our hands and close our eyes and bow our heads and lift up our prayers. And then when we're all done, open up our, lift up our heads, open up our eyes, and hold out our hands and look to the side. Because so many times, God answers prayer with the people around us. And so many times God uses you to answer the, answer the prayers of the people around you. 
So, we have this treasure. As the King James says, in earthen vessels. Fragile. Cracked. Leaking. Earthen vessels. Broken. If you've gone through a broken time, perhaps, perhaps it was because so you could walk with someone else who was broken and hurting. And maybe, I don't know, but maybe, those broken times of your past were for such a time as this that you may walk with the broken, with the hurting, with the struggling. So that you can say, you know what? I really do know what it's like. And Jesus does too. Because I've been there and he's been there. I want to walk with you together. And if you're currently in a broken time right now, and the season is hard, babe of Bethlehem, he grew up and he experienced what you're going through right now. Not in exactly the same way. Pretty close. He knows what you're going through. He walks with you. Because he loves you. He was born for you. Died for you. My friends. He rose for you. So you can walk with hope. And even in the hard times, with joy. Amen? Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord from life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Stand and praise God.